Section 31 of The Morals, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Andrea Curry. The Morals, Volume 2 by Plutarch. Translated by several hands. Corrected and revised by William W. Goodwin. Of Curiosity, or An Overbusy Inquisitiveness into Things Impertinent. Part one. If a dwelling-house, by reason of its ill situation or contrivance, be not commodiously light and airy, or too much exposed to ill-weather and unhealthy, it is most advisable entirely to quit such a habitation, unless perhaps through continuance of time, neighborhood of friends, or any other endearing circumstance, a man should become much wedded to the place, in which case it may be possible by the alteration of windows and new placing of doors and staircases, either to remove or to lessen these inconveniences. By such like remedies, even whole cities have been much amended and improved both as to health and pleasantness. And it is said of the place of my nativity particularly, that while it once lay open to the western winds, and to the beams of the declining sun streaming over the top of Parnassus, it was by Chiron turned toward the east, but it is thought that Empedocles the naturalist secured that whole region round about from the pestilence by closing up the rift of a certain mountain, from whence a contagious southerly damp breathed forth upon the flat of that country. And now, since there are several noxious qualities and distempered passions that lurk within the body, too, which is the more immediate habitation of the soul, and which, like the dark and tempestuous weather that is without, do cloud and disturb it, Therefore, the like method which has been observed in curing the defects and annoyances of an ill-contrived and unhealthy dwelling may be followed here, in rendering the body a more commodious, serviceable, and delightful mansion for the soul, wherein that it may enjoy its desired calmness and serenity, it will conduce beyond all other expedients whatsoever, that those blind, tumultuous, and extravagant passions should be expelled or extinguished utterly, or, if that cannot be, yet that they be so far reduced and moderated, and so prudently applied and accommodated to their proper objects, that the mischief and disorder of them at least may be removed. Among these may deservedly be accounted that sort of curiosity which, by its studious prying into the evils of mankind, seems to be a distemper of envy and ill-nature. Why, envious wretch, with such a piercing ray, Blind to thine own, dost others' faults survey. If the knowledge of ill can reward the industrious search with so much delight and pleasure, turn the point of thy curiosity upon thyself and thine own affairs, and thou shalt within doors find matter enough for the most laborious inquiries, plentiful as water in a liso's stream or leaves about the oak. So vast a heap of offences shalt thou find in thy own conversation, such variety of perturbations in thy soul, and manifold failures in thy duty. To take a distinct and orderly survey of all which, that of Xenophon will be good direction, who said, that it was the manner of discreet housekeepers to place their weapons of war, utensils for the kitchen, instruments of husbandry, and furniture for religious and sacred services, each in several and proper repositories. So every man that would make an exact inquiry into and take a just account of himself 
should first make a particular search into the several mischiefs that proceed from each passion within him whether it be envy or jealousy covetousness or cowardice or any other vicious inclination and then distribute and range them all as it were into distinct apartments this done make thy reviews upon them with the most accurate inspection so that nothing may divert thee from the severest scrutiny obstruct every prospect that looks towards thy neighbour's quarters and close up all those avenues which may lead thee to any foreign curiosity become an eavesdropper to thine own house listen to the whispers of thine own walls and observe those secret arts of the female closet the close intrigues of the parlour and the treacherous practices of thy servants which thy own windows will discover to thee here this inquisitive and busy disposition may find an employment that will be of use and advantage and is neither ill-natured nor impertinent while every man shall call himself to this strict examination where have i erred what have i said or done what duty when and how have i foregone but now as the poets feign concerning lamia that upon her going to bed she lays aside her eyes among the attirements of her dressing-box and is at home for the most part blind and drowsy too and puts on her eyes only when she goes abroad a-gadding so it is with most men who through a kind of an affected ignorance and artificial blindness commonly blunder and stumble at their own threshold are the greatest strangers to their own personal defects and of all others least familiarly acquainted with their own domestic ills and follies but when they look abroad their sight is sharpened with all the watchful and laborious curiosity imaginable which serves as deforming spectacles to an evil eye that is already envenomed by the malignity of a worse nature and hence it is that a person of this busy meddlesome disposition is a greater friend to them he hates than to himself for overlooking his own concerns through his being so heedfully intent on those of other men he reproves and exposes their miscarriages admonishes them of the errors and follies they ought to correct and affrights them into greater caution for the future so that not only the careless and unwary but even the more sober and prudent persons may gain no small advantage from the impertinence and ill-nature of inquisitive people it was a remarkable instance of the prudence of ulysses that going into the regions of departed souls he would not exchange so much as one word with his mother there till he had first obtained an answer from the oracle and dispatched the business he came about and then turning to her he afforded some small time for a few impertinent questions about the other women upon the place asking which was tyro and which the fair chloris and concerning the unfortunate epicasta why noosed to a lofty beam she would suspended die but we through extreme sloth and ignorance being stupidly careless of our own affairs must be idly spending our time and talk either about our neighbour's pedigree how that such a one had a tapster for his grandfather and that his grandmother was a laundress or that another owes three or four talents and is not able to pay the interest nay and such trivial stuff as this we busy ourselves about where such a man's wife has been all this while and what it was that this and the other fellow have been talking of in a corner but the wise socrates employed his curiosity to better purpose when he went about inquiring by what excellent precepts pythagoras obtained so great authority among his followers and aristippus meeting ischomachus at the olympic games 
asked him what those notions were with which Socrates had so powerfully charmed the minds of his young scholars. Upon the slight information whereof, he was so passionately inflamed with a desire of going to Athens, that he grew pale and lean, and almost languished till he came to drink of the fountain itself, and had been acquainted with the person of Socrates, and more fully learned that philosophy of his, the design of which was to teach men how to discover their own ills and apply proper remedies to them. But to some sort of men, their own life and actions would appear the most unpleasant spectacle in the world, and therefore they fly from the light of their conscience, and cannot bear the torture of one reflecting thought upon themselves. For when the soul, being once defiled with all manner of wickedness, is scared at its own hideous deformity, it endeavors to run from itself, and, ranging here and there, it pampers its own malignity with malicious speculations on the ills of others." It is observed of the hen that, loathing the plenty of meat that is cast before her on a clean floor, she will be scratching in a hole or spurning the dunghill in search of one single musty grain. So these over-busy people, neglecting such obvious and common things into which any man may inquire and talk of without offense, cannot be satisfied unless they rake into the private and concealed evils of every family in the neighborhood. It was smartly said by the Egyptian, who, being asked what it was he carried so closely, replied, It was therefore covered that it might be secret. Which answer will serve to check the curiosity of those impertinent men, who will be always peeping into the privacies of others. For assuredly there is nothing usually more concealed than what is too foul to be seen, nor would it be kept so close, were it either fit or safe it should be known. Without knocking at the door it is great rudeness to enter another's house, and therefore in former times were wrappers fitted to the gates, that by the noise thereof notice might be given to the family. For the same purpose are porters appointed now, lest, a stranger coming in unawares, the mistress or daughter of the family might be surprised busy or undressed, or a servant be seen under correction, or the maids be overheard in the heat of their scolding. But a person of this prying busy temper, who would disdain the being invited to a sober and well-governed house, will yet even forcibly intrude himself as a spy into the indecencies of private families. And he pries into those very things which locks, bolts, and doors were intended to secure from common view, for no other end but to discover them to all the world. Aristo said that those winds were the most troublesome which blew up one's garments and exposed one's nakedness. But these inquisitive people deprive us of all the shelter or security of walls and doors, and like the wanton air which pervades the veil and steals through the closest guards of virgin modesty, they insinuate into those divertisements which are hidden in the retirements of the night, and strip men even to their very skin. So that, as it is merrily said by the comedian concerning Cleon, that his hands were in Aetolia and his soul in Thieftown, the hands and feet, eyes and thoughts of inquisitive persons are straggling about in many places at once. Neither the mansions of the great, nor the cottages of the poor, nor the privy chambers of princes, nor the recesses of the nuptial alcove, can escape the search of their curiosity. They are familiar to the affairs of strangers, and will be prying into the darkest mysteries of state, although it be to the manifest peril of their being ruined by it. For as to him that will be curiously examining the virtues of medicinal herbs, 
the unwary taste of a venomous plant conveys a deleterious impression upon the brain before its noxious quality can be discerned by the palate so they that boldly pry into the ills of great persons usually meet with their own destruction sooner than they can discover the dangerous secret they inquire after and so it happens that when the rashly curious eye not contented to expatiate in the free and boundless region of reflected light will be gazing at the imperial seat of brightness it becomes a sacrifice to the burning rays and straight sinks down in penal darkness it was therefore well said by philippides the comedian who being asked by king lysimachus what he desired might be imparted to him replied anything but a secret and indeed those things in the courts of princes that are most pleasant in themselves and most delightful to be known such as balls magnificent entertainments and all the shows of pomp and greatness are exposed to common view nor do they ever hide those divertisements and enjoyments which are the attendants of a prosperous estate but in what cases soever they seem reserved as when they are conceiving some high displeasure or contriving the methods of a revenge or raging under a fit of jealousy or suspicious of the disloyal practices of their children or dubious concerning the treachery of a favorite come not near nor intermeddle for everything is of a dreadful aspect and of very dangerous access that is thus concealed fly from so black a cloud whose darkness condenses into a tempest and it will be time enough when its fury breaks forth with flash and thunder for thee to observe upon whose head the mischief falls but to avoid the danger of this curiosity divert thy thoughts to more safe and delightful inquiries survey the wonders of nature in the heavens earth the sea and air in which thou hast a copious choice of materials for the more sublime as well as the more easy and obvious contemplations if thy more piercing wit aspires to the noblest inquiries consider the greater luminary in its diurnal motion in what part of heaven its morning beams are kindled and where those chambers of the night are placed which entertain its declining lustre view the moon in all her changes the just representation of human vicissitudes and learn the causes that destroy and then restore her brightness how from an infant spark sprung out of night she swells into a perfect globe of light and soon her beauties thus repaired die wasting into their first obscurity these are indeed the great secrets of nature whose depth may perhaps amaze and discourage thy inquiries search therefore into things more obvious why the fruits of plants are shaped into such variety of figures why some are clothed with the verdure of a perennial spring and others which sometime were no less fresh and fair like hasty spendthrifts lavish away the bounty of heaven in one summer's gaiety and stand naked to the succeeding frosts but such harmless speculations will perchance affect thee little and it may be thou hast that malignity in thy temper which like venomous beasts that cannot live out of stink and putrefaction must be ever preying upon the follies and miseries of mankind peruse therefore the histories of the world wherein thou shalt find such vast heaps of wickedness and mischiefs made up of the downfalls and sudden deaths of great men the rapes and defilements of women the treacheries of servants the falseness of friends the arts of poisoning the fatal effects of envy and jealousy the ruin of families dethroning of princes 
with many other such direful occurrences as may not only delight and satisfy, but even cloy and nauseate thy ill-natured curiosity. But neither, as it appears, are such antiquated evils any agreeable entertainment to people of this perverse disposition. They hearken most to modern tragedies, and such doleful accidents as may be grateful as well for the novelty as the horror of the relation. All pleasant and cheerful converse is irksome to them, so that if they happen into a company that are talking of weddings, the solemnities of sacred rites, or pompous processions, they make as though they heard not, or, to divert and shorten the discourse, will pretend they knew as much before. Yet if any one should relate how such a wench had a child before the time, or that a fellow was caught with another man's wife, or that certain people were at law with each other, or that there was an unhappy difference between near relations, he no longer sits unconcerned or minds other things, but, with ears pricked up, he listens, what and when, and how, he asks, pray say, let's hear it again. And indeed, that proverbial saying, ill news goes quick and far, was occasioned chiefly by these busy, ill-natured men, who very unwillingly hear or talk of anything else. For their ears, like cupping-glasses that attract the most noxious humors in the body, are ever sucking in the most spiteful and malicious reports. And as in some cities there are certain ominous gates through which nothing passes but scavengers' carts or the sledges of malefactors, so nothing goes in at their ears or out of their mouths but obscene, tragical, and horrid relations. Howling and woe, as in a jail or hell, always infest the places where they dwell. This noise is to them like the siren's song and the sweetest melody, the most pleasant hearing in the world. Now this curiosity, being an affectation of knowledge in things concealed, must needs proceed from a great degree of spite and envy. For men do not usually hide, but ambitiously proclaim whatever is for their honor or interest to be known. And therefore to pry into what is industriously covered can be for no other purpose than that secret delight curious persons enjoy in the discovery of other men's ills, which is spite. And the relief they gather thence, to ease themselves under their tormenting resentment at another's prosperity, which is envy, both which spring from that savage and brutal disposition which we call ill-nature. End of section 31